0: The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat.
1: Good day, Tokers and Tokets. Once again, I'm here in the United Nations uh, cafeteria and it just so happens that I've run into another set of international guests. I am here with the Dacha couple. You said it correctly. South Africa. I I studied. <laughs> I'm a radio guy. I have to learn how to pronounce things. So uh, Dacha, of course, we were speaking Jamaicans earlier. Okay. They, they call ganja it ganja. Man, the ganja man. But America, we just call it weed. Yep. But uh, tell us uh, your names and what the Dacha couple is all about.
2: Uh, My name is Myrtle Clark and um, the Dacher couple was a term coined by the South African media after it hit the newspapers that we were arrested in our home on charges of possessing Dacher and um, we decided to sue the South African government uh, on charges of uh, enacting unlawful laws. So the newspapers got hold of it and that's how come we called the Dacher couple. Mm
3: And and my name's Jules Stubbs, I'm the other half of the DACA couple, and uh, we had three choices, Russ. We could have either faced seven years in jail for possession, because that's how it is in South Africa, or we could have paid a bribe, because that's how it is in South Africa. White people don't really get to jail in South Africa, we have some money, so we could have done that. Uh, But that would have given us a criminal record, and we travel a lot, so we would never have got a visa, we'd have a 10-year suspended, so you know what, we just fought it, and we're fighting it, and we've set a precedent in South African law, and now we're hobnobbing it at the United Nations, and 10 minutes ago they wouldn't let me in because I have the word cannabis on my shirt. Uh, So we're having a,
1: a conference on international drug policy but we can't have the word canvas be seen, <laughs> my goodness, people might start talking about
3: it. That's right. I, I was absolutely incredulous. It happened this morning, and now today, because I've only got one shirt on, and my, my hotel room's 20 blocks away, I still have the same shirt on, so you can see me perspiring here, because I've had to put a hoodie over the top of it all, so I stay legal, dude. Uh, so, so your case uh, got prosecuted, and it's over? No, oh, no, we've only on. just kind of begun.
2: Um, yeah, so it was in 2010 when this when this all started. But it's obviously been a like long road since then. We're waiting now for a new date because it was meant to be. It meant to start in the High Court on the 10th of March, but then it was postponed again because we've got so many expert witnesses coming over to South Africa to testify. We need 20 court days, so now we're just waiting for our sort of the high legal beagles to organise a court date because it's going to be 20 court days so um we hope to before the middle of the year to announce the new court date so that we can move on
1: yeah you you mentioned briefly uh white people don't go to jail in south africa for this kind of like america you know it's kind of like america
3: however um it's a kind of a reverse situation in south africa we believe that most of the people that are arrested or intimidated or extorted are white people it's kind of different the arrest rate is higher for whites than it is for blacks, we believe, because white people have got more to extort from them. If you've got a nice car and you look as if you've got some nice clothes, then the cops go, hmm, we might be able to get something out of this, because a lot of this stuff just stops on the side of the road. Nobody goes to... You might get put in jail for the weekend, but during that weekend, you might get the docket to disappear, you might get a tout lawyer to pay the right bribe to the right people. So that's what we mean. There's for sure, the disparity... In incarceration is the same as it is in the USA. There are peop- more people of colour in jails in South Africa than there are Caucasians. Because most uh, Caucasians manage to get their way out of it, just with resources, basically, and we we've sa- I've personally sat in a South African jail on occasion three times and some of the people that are sitting in there are just sat there because they don't have any bail that's the only crime they've committed is not having the amount of bail to post to get out, and Myrtle has just dealt with a Rastafarian man outside Cape Town, he was languishing in a police cell for four months because he didn't have, what is it?
2: 1,500 uh, hundred
3: US so he didn't have a hundred dollars bail, and now he's been there for four months. Wow, oh,
1: that's silly, isn't it? How much uh, possession amount does it take for these charges to get?
2: Um, anything, anything. We've have, anyway. we've, we've, yep. we've seen convictions for 0. 0.5 of a gram. Oh, uh,
1: or as I like to call
2: it, out of marijuana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly, just a guerick yeah. in the bottom of your bag. We uh, we, we were <laughs> yeah. actually. Uh, <laughs> we, were, we were arrested for... Uh, we, we had a, a, a quantity of cannabis, but the law says that if you have over 115 grams, 115, you are a dealer. Does that sound like science to you, Russ? 115
1: grams is 115 about 4 f- ounces Yeah, pound. it's about...
3: It's, uh, it's 5 ounces, yeah, yeah. It's about 5 ounces, so if you have that on your possession, you are automatically a dealer, and now we're talking about some serious jail time. Because if a guy has three cases of beer in his fridge, ah, he's a beer salesman. That's right, that's right, yeah. <laughs> he he he's a, be exactly. just stocking up.
1: No,
2: not no. at all.
3: <laughs> oh, the disparity. And around.
2: if you have 114 grams, you're not a dealer, but if you've got 116 grams, you are. So, no, 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 no. At,
3: at the time, uh, we know that it's very easy to actually uh, argue away these particular charges because for there to, to be a dealing charge, there has to have been dealing there has to be ganja cannabis dacha and money in exactly the same place at the same time so what they do is they intimidate you on the spot because a dealing charge is jail time so once once, once people are scared they make stupid moves and that's all the cops are waiting for you to do you know they're making you incriminate yourself just by mm-hmm. them scaring the crap out of you
1: yeah i saw uh a meme cartoon on Facebook the other day that showed the squirrel stopped in the middle of the road and they say the squirrel goes 90% across the road and then stops and what kills him is him trying to go back the other way. (laughs) He says that's the same thing when people get caught with drugs is they're the squirrel that stopped and they panic and they get themselves busted analogy.
3: That's right. And we see it time and again. And we've got a little booklet called Know Your Rights because loads of people in South Africa don't actually know that there is a procedure, a, there's a proper procedure to be arrested. You have rights, and at that point, when you're busted, people don't think they have any rights. So we've produced this booklet, which is now version 4, and right at the very beginning, it says, just shut up, say nothing, sign nothing, don't wind them up, just take it on the chin... If you get arrested on a Friday, which is modus operandi, you're not going to get out till Monday. That's how it is. They're going to put you in a jail for three days and punish you. The alleged cannabis user will now be punished in the state jail for three days. And at that point, the minute you start tuning the cops back, they're going to make your life miserable. You're not going to eat. You won't get any water. So uh, what's the status of your case
2: now? And Okay, uh, so pending pending new date <laughs> okay. uh, in the high court and then obviously um, all evidence is led in the high court and then as as our legal team say well once we're through the other side of the high court we can breathe a bit easier then it will most probably go through the supreme court of appeals and then onto the constitutional court which is obviously the the highest court in the land and we've got some really amazing witnesses coming over we have donald abrahams confirmed we have carl hart confirmed oh, Oh, no, we got the yeah, duty, so because huh? we're not we we we're, we're not about we're not second. We are not and we do not want to make socks. Um, we just want rights? to get stoned. Yeah. Actually, yeah. we like being stoned. So, so that's the bottom is, line of our case. Well, yeah. we, we believe
3: we don't believe in recreational medical nothing. We don't see any distinction whatsoever. We are fit and well and health, healthy because we use the cannabis plant. That's that's it. And all the people that come to us at our non profit company looking for cannabis is medication and they're sick not one of them has a relationship with the plant not one of them 400, 500 of them all of them they come to us because they're sick because they haven't used their plant all their lives so we're doing this from a human rights angle it is our right to put whatever we want in our bodies and it is enshrined in the South African Bill of Rights that that is the case. But, of course, it's not the case. Just like it is in your Bill of Rights right. and the Decl- Declaration of Independence. They've got all this blah, blah, blah about human rights. But, oh, yeah, okay.
1: Well, you didn't see that, that asterisk at the bottom that says, except if it has to do with drugs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. a caveat yeah. at That's the bottom. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's a tiny, fine print those uh, founding fathers put in. Yeah. Uh, so, um, in South Africa, uh, what's it like... Um, trying to change these laws. A lot of government uh, repression, a lot of them trying to turn, be- turn this there back. There is no political no, will. No, not really. No really.
2: Um, you know, we we are kind of steer clear of, of the politicians. It has, it's only been in the last uh, sort of 18 months that we've started to engage with the broader d- drug policy debate and policy in general because we're fighting this through the courts you know i don't know if you've heard, seen south africa in the news lately our president is not exactly the most popular person in the land because he spent 14 million dollars renovating his private residence so um,
3: and the, he was found guilty by the, by the highest com- court in the land the yeah. judge president said that the, the president of the country is guilty of embezzlement wow. so we went on national television and said i apologize moving on nothing happened. <laughs> oh, wow yeah, just, uh, <laughs> it's stupid but, the story, but can I say that my sister was there uh, said yeah this same guy Zuma uh, was accused of being raping the secretary he yep, yep. said what uh, did you rape your secretary well she didn't she like it she got AIDS uh, yeah but wash myself
1: Yeah, That's right.
2: So so we have a um, uh, a cartoonist called Zapiro who's very famous for... Every time he draws the president, there's a little shower head sticking out the top of his head. As a a reference (laughs) to the
3: fact that he slept with... He slept, actually, with a relative. Ah, It was a relative that he slept with. And um, he was unprotected sex, and he said, Well, I had a shower afterwards. Yeah. So this is this is the leader of the of our country, and um, so this is the
1: person we're expecting to make science and evidence-based yeah, decisions no, exactly. on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that is that is
2: ex- that's yeah. exactly why we are not doing, obviously it's not the courts that change the law, it's the the politicians that change the law ultimately but we have to get this through the courts first because one thing that out of um, it's about two weeks ago the constitutional court judgment on the president, it gave us incredible confidence in our courts, in our our judicial system it's really, really strong we've got a strong set of judges on the constitutional court and um, And we're going to get there we've got a very strong constitution, actually in Mexico yeah, everybody knows about the, the four people in Mexico who got the judgment there. They used the South African constitution there as an example for that case. And we've been in contact with the, the, the defendants in that case. And the South African constitution is, is, is famous in the circles where constitutions are famous. You know, it's wow. like, yeah. Did you have
3: something? No, 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 just ask, what was the point in the Constitution that could help us out of the prohibition uh, strategies? Uh, what is the point in the it, Constitution? It, Well, it's just based on human rights, a very, yeah. very strongly worded human rights declaration, the South African Constitution. Yeah, but uh, they could always say uh, we have to control drugs, etc. Uh, well, you, in know, the Constitution? You, know, you know the way that the Mexican judgment was worded was so poignant. It was the fact that if it, it's impossible for me... Yes. to uh, to mature the way I want to and develop my personality if I can't use cannabis. I use ah. cannabis in my life, and if I can't do that, ah, okay. I cannot fully develop my personality. Ah, that yeah, was develop- the ju- and, and that was the judgment. Canada. That's a very, very poignant thing ah. to say. Yes. And I'm hoping a South African judge will say the same thing to me one day. So we're hoping
1: for a decision that recognizes a freedom of conscience. Yes. Sort of
3: You've yes. got it in one. That's my fight. Cognitive liberty. Exactly. The sovereignty of your body. Yeah. It's not rocket it science.
1: Alexander
3: yeah. yeah. Yes.
1: Exactly. Yeah. If I'm... If this is the border, and if I'm not the sovereign, right. pass this border. Completely. Yeah. And it's also a, the
2: whole principle of a victimless crime is also... You're, yeah, you're no, our mantra, actually,
3: on, a, on our stickers is, I am not a criminal. Very because I'm not. I'm a really hard-working, tax-paying person, but I happen to use the cannabis plant. So... Check
1: this uh, check this out folks go to the website dachacouple.co.za I even said yeah. Z. No, <laughs> and that's, our, that's and our non-profit is a non-profit company, company. fieldsofgreenforall.org.za yeah fantastic where
3: does come from we live in johannesburg i'm actually How an englishman I, I was i'm an englishman i've been in south africa for 25 years it's my uh-huh. home i don't do europe very well i do africa very well but on the other hand, it was very nice to leave Africa last week because, man, it can drive you crazy, that place. Huh? Yeah. It's the Wild West. Yeah. It, it all happens all the time. That's one thing that does happen in Africa, stuff, all the time. It really is a dynamic place, and you never know where you where you stand. It's a very brutal country. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of murders. There's a lot of very angry, starving people, and it's been really cool to come to Manhattan. But I must admit, I was very, very surprised coming into a drug policy meeting to be told that I can't wear a cannabis T-shirt. That's just out to lunch. I'm sorry, folks. It's well, just, it, it, it,
1: fits, it fits along with uh, they held a UN session, a special, uh, you know, one of the side sessions on youth, listening to the voices of youth in the drug war. There was not a single young person on the panel, uh, and all the SSDP people uh, who showed yes. up, all the kids who showed up to go to it, weren't let in. Right, well,
2: <laughs> isn't that just how it is yeah, in this yeah, building? Yeah. It's like bunch yeah. of stuffy old
3: white men running the show, eh? Yeah, it is. And but one thing I did hear on the first day was for the first time ever, a president, yes, not an ex president, a real live incumbent president say legalize already. And that was the man ooh, from Mexico, the Mexican
0: president
3: really he said no cannabis he said we've gone past decriminalisation criminalization now just legalize this plant once and for all and let's get on with it and i've never heard an incumbent president say that ever yeah. so that was quite cool but nobody actually reported it because it's too big
1: <laughs> this has been an amazing discussion with the dacha couple check them out online dachacouple.co.za thank you so much for talking to hey, us Russ,
3: it's, it's an honor to come and see you because you keep us going in South Africa we feel as if we're in a backwater you know we're yeah. at the bottom of, next stop Antarctica yeah. it's a long way from here yes, it is. so all of your writings and all of your words and your show is very important to us and to activists in South Africa because we consider you're on the front line because if there's going to be a blog post it'll be yours first you've always got the foot in the door first so we commend you for that well thank you I, I hope to visit South Africa Johannesburg someday and I'll give you a ring when I do oh uh, no you Yes,
2: yeah. please, too. If you need a bed for the night, please come oh. and stay with us.
0: is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one.
2: I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties
0: for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably... The most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them.
3: I experimented with marijuana at a time or two, and I didn't like it. And didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate.
1: Radical Rant. Well, folks, it's been quite an amazing adventure here at the United Nations with all the events that are going on for the United Nations General Assembly special session on drugs, and uh, I learned a whole lot about international politics while I was here, and that is, it is definitely the major leagues of screwed-up politics. you <laughs> just got to put it that way. This whole session began with the acceptance of a document, uh, something they call the outcome document, that has already been voted on and already been accepted by the UN member states. So it seems a little odd that we'd start with the document, the finished outcome document, before we'd even determined the outcome of this three days of discussions. So we, we start with the outcome document, and then what happened for the next three days is countries, most of the countries, complained about it. See, the problem here at the UN is that they have to work for consensus on an international level. So we're talking about trying to get countries like New Zealand and Jamaica, places where there's a lot of use of cannabis and a fairly laissez-faire attitude toward it. And those countries have to be in the same discussion with countries like Singapore and Indonesia and China and and countries that still execute people for drug crimes. Executions. Executions. We, we have such a variety, such a wide range, all the way from legalization in the state of Oregon to hangings in Saudi Arabia that have to do with this war on drugs. So trying to come up with any sort of consensus at the international level is damn near impossible. Many of the member states, especially the European Union, Canada, Jamaica, and others, Latin American countries, South American countries— a lot of them complained about how this outcome document in no way addressed ending the death penalty for drug crimes, which many of the speakers pointed out is against international law with respect to human rights, with respect to the rights of all people to be able to live basically the right to life. But then we have countries like Pakistan that would stand to, Support this outcome document and to point out that their right to run their judicial system any way they see fit is their right. It's their sovereign right and that they complained about these UN uh, drug meetings possibly trampling on their sovereignty of their judicial and criminal justice systems. So basically you had countries like Pakistan and, and Indonesia standing up for the right to be able to continue executing people despite the fact that it doesn't work. If, if it worked, they wouldn't need to be executing any people. Now, would they? So it is a bit frustrating. And, and other countries, uh, also made a lot of points about harm reduction. What's up? It's my friend, Kevin, (laughs) Sabet. made a lot of points about harm reduction. And that was also largely ignored in the outcome document. So when we're seeing countries like Canada, like the United States, uh, countries in Europe that are employing successful harm reduction techniques where we can show through science and evidence that they are working, and we can also show that the contrary, the executions and the punitive measures are not working, then it just becomes incredibly frustrating to try to listen to three days worth of talks about this and recognize that they're not even talking about the real issues. Nowhere is this more clear than when they're talking about cannabis. Uh, but they weren't talking about cannabis very often at this event. Most of the talk that I heard uh, around uh, drugs at this event had to do with opioid epidemics, heroin and, this, and the uh, synthetics that are you know pharmaceuticalized, as well as what they like to call NPS. And that stands for New Psychotropic Substances. Or, what we in the United States call designer drugs. So, the designer drugs, uh, you know, this is when they take a chemical and they, you know, like bath salts and people get high on it. And so the government will say, okay, chemical XYZ is illegal. And so the chemists, they will just take the Z out and switch it with a Q. And now you got a new chemical that's not illegal, but it still gets you high. And country after country talked about the need to battle these. NPS, these new psychotropic substances, and and lamented the fact that they can only, through these uh, scheduling efforts in various countries, they can only make illegal like 10 or 20 of them a year. Yet hundreds of these chemicals are designed every year. There's just no way they can possibly keep up with the continually shifting uh, chemistry of these new psychotropic substances. So they're actually calling for having laws that are more generic so that just about anything that's psychotropic, anything that's mind altering could be quickly scheduled as an illegal drug. And this just brings me to a thought, if we're going to go that way, if if the point isn't whether or not the substance causes harm to the user or causes harm to society, if the point is just the substance is psychotropic and therefore it's bad, then maybe we ought to just make everything illegal. Maybe every ingestible substance should be illegal. And then we can maintain a list of just those few things that are legal. Alcohol, tobacco, bananas, aspirin, raspberries, rutabagas, whatever. We'll have a list of what's legal and then anything else you're forbidden from putting in your body. Now, I think most sensible people would realize that sounds quite ridiculous, but really that's the logical extension of what these people are talking about with respect to the new psychotropic substances is that if it's brand new, and it is a drug, it must automatically be banned whether or not we know it's harmful or not. And of course, it's only through the banning of these drugs in the first place that has led to the development of these new psychotropic substances. People that are trying to get away with using a drug without getting detected for using that drug. How many people on the planet would prefer to use cannabis? But since cannabis shows up in a drug test for so long, they switch to using spice or K2. How many people uh, could be suffering from the deleterious effects of these chemicals when the alternative, the natural alternative, has been never shown to cause an overdose death and has very low risk of side effects? And, And what side effects there are, are fairly negligible. It's just frustrating to be here at the United Nations knowing that much of this discussion, the elephant in the room is cannabis policy with Uruguay legalizing cannabis, with four United States legalizing cannabis, the U.S. capital has legalized cannabis and another five states are waiting in the wings to legalize cannabis but no, most of the discussion was around the new psychotropic drugs, the opioids because they don't want to get into the conversation about cannabis, it's a losing argument for them Worldwide, governments are beginning to recognize that this is not the threat that has always been hyped up to be. The ministers from Jamaica and other countries in South America uh, were calling for the rights of indigenous people to be able to use the plants that they find sacred and medicinal. Of course, the Jamaicans referring to ganja. Evo Morales, the uh, president of Bolivia, was here speaking about the native use of coca leaf. Uh, Other uh, activists here have been speaking about the use of iboga, uh, the root that uh, makes ibogaine the virtual cure for heroin addiction. And there was also concern about uh, religious use, especially, you know, again, talking to the Jamaicans about uh, Rastafari and their use. But so far here at the United Nations, the only consensus that was made since the last UN General Assembly special session on drugs which was all the way back 18 years ago 1998 was the fact that instead of our 1998 mantra which was a drug free world we can do it this time they want to aim for a world free from drug addiction slight change we also got the president of Mexico to endorse legalization for medical and scientific purposes so there has been some slight movement But folks, the real movement is going to take place at the local and state level as we legalize state after state and as country after country legalizes like Canada to the north of us. It will force the hand of these international bodies and legalization will finally happen. This
0: is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
1: That's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining
0: us here live from the UN. We're coming back with the
1: Toker Talk Radio from 420-420. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us, and rest in peace, Prince. Until next time, take care of each other, Tokers.
0: It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can toke. I inhale. Frequently. Or you can talk.
3: I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or
0: you can toke and talk. 10 federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard. Have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at J Studios. Freedom, freedom. Hey, this is great. Freedom, Just cannabis. Freedom. Plus your calls, live at 971-533-7111. Freedom. They're walking on their pants with their cap on
4: backwards, listening to the animal man and Snoopy, Snoopy poop dog.
3: What's to keep somebody from getting
1: all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality.
2: Is it real?
1: Don't
3: tease We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and, and the, the next thing you know, they
0: got 10 years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja Graphics, the sultan of Sativa Statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical, Russ Bellville. All right, welcome back,
1: Tokers and Tokets. Radical West here once again in the cafeteria of the U.N. headquarters in Midtown Manhattan for day three of the United Nations General Assembly Special Session on Drugs. It's been an amazing session, and we're going to bring you some more coverage of it here in this hour, two Toku Talk Radio got uh, a special discussion that I had just a couple of minutes ago. I sat down here in the cafeteria to start preparing the show like I normally do. And sitting next to me was the delegation from Students for Sensible Drug Policy in Jamaica. And so three Jamaicans sitting there and asking me if they could borrow some power. It was, you know, the power outlet that I'm sitting by. And I just asked them if I could sit down and talk to them about the U.N. General Assembly Special Session and the country of Jamaica and what they've been doing with respect to their laws on ganja. The Jamaican delegation has been one of the most positive delegations for harm reduction and recognition of indigenous rights to use plants like cannabis. And it was a very illuminating discussion. So we'll play that first for you. Coming up here, leading up to the twenty after break, and then following the twenty after break, I'm going to bring you my coverage of the four twenty at four twenty that happened at Dag Hammarskjold Plaza yesterday, <laughs> as cannabis reformers from around the city and those who had come in from out of state and even from around the world for this ungas meeting gathered at the Dag Hammarskjold Plaza to call for an end to the global war on drugs, and of course, being that it was four twenty to partake in a little bit of ceremonial sacrificial ganja it was a lot of fun so we'll play that for you coming up here to end up the show and uh, we'll bring you more from the united nations general assembly on tomorrow's show as well so stay tuned everyone we're going to take a quick break get some of the bills paid and when we come back my discussion with the students from
0: jamaica This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Cannabis Community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat.
1: Good day, Tokers and Tokets. Radical Russ here at the United Nations Cafeteria. And sitting next to me, we have delegates. Oh, you are already plugged in. Delegates from uh, the nation of Jamaica. And uh, go ahead and just introduce yourselves to them.
5: Uh, well, I'm Vicky Hansen. I'm from the Ganja Growers and Producers Association and part of the Students for Sensible Drug Policy movement at the University of the West Indies. Hi, I'm
2: Kieran Francis, and I'm also a part of Students for Sensible Drug Policy at the University of the West Indies. Hi, and
4: I'm um, Eleanor I. I advise the government through the Cannabis Industry Advisory Board, which is connected to our Ministry of Industry.
1: In uh, listening to the presentations today and the past couple of days at Ungas, so many nations have stood up to uh, approve of this outcome document, which basically maintains a lot of the status quo. Fortunately, the minister from Jamaica has been one of the strong voices standing up. In fact, the last session... When everyone else was talking about what they call NPS, new psychotropic substances, or designer drugs, she's the one that stood up and said, we're actually concerned about an old substance, maybe one of the oldest. Give me your thoughts on what's been happening here at Ungas and how Jamaica uh, fits into this and, and would like to see some change.
5: Well, for us, we're concerned that the outcome document, as is now, doesn't take into account the cultures of indigenous people which our new law, and and I'm glad to say that we're leading the world in this approach is to take account of the rights of our indigenous people to use a plant for their own benefit and to use it in a traditional way that we have always been using it for the healing of the nation, as as would be said by our Rastafarian community. And it may be for the UN a drug, but for us, it is a culture. It is a way of life. It is how we live. You, you go into any household, you'll find a bottle with cannabis being soaked with other other herbs, other natural things that we can be used for traditional medical purposes, which scientifically and traditionally has been proven to have benefits. So we are willing to stand up against something that we think we block the rights of our human beings, which is our members of our country, our citizens, and to call for a new approach, which is what our Minister of Foreign Affairs has been doing here at this conference.
1: That's wonderful.
4: And you know, what is something that the world really needs to know is that Jamaica is unified uh, on this position. It's bipartisan. Uh, members of both political parties are supportive of our people and their traditions, which not only include the folk tradition that Vicky speaks of. And you know, what is so funny is because everybody's grandmother has a bottle of alcohol with a ganja leaf, ganja leaf in there for when you have a cold or when you're ill or they'll boil some ganja tea uh, for its medicinal benefits. And sometimes those persons who use it that way are quite against the smoking of ganja, but they are for the medicinal benefits, which have been recognized through generations. And our motto is, out of many, one people, out of our many people and our many traditions, Jamaica has uniquely um, come out as a leader for the full tradition of the medicine of cannabis. We call it ganja. We are unified in that. We are unified behind the Rastafarian faith, that's an indigenous um, religion to Jamaica, but one where there are proponents for for Rastafari all over the world. And what our law that was um, brought in by our former Minister of Justice uh, Mark Golding last year did that is completely groundbreaking is that he conferred upon Rastafari the legal right, the legal right to possess and use ganja for their sacramental faith purposes. Now, Rastafari is a recognized faith around the world, and the the right to practice um, your religion is a universal human right. So therefore, all Rastas around the world need to know that Jamaica has stood behind them, given them this legal right, and maybe they can use this as a precedent in their own countries to affirm their own rights.
1: These international drug treaties have been around for over 50 years. Rastafari has been around for even longer than that. Is it the recent legalization in Uruguay and some U.S. states that have pushed the ball forward in Jamaica for these changes that you referred to? Uh, no,
5: because this is something that we have been doing from centuries. From it was in 1913 and our citizens were being criminalized for it traditionally. However, what, what is different now is that we have recognized that the world, Uruguay, is calling for a change because of the issues they are having. Uh, the U.S., unfortunately, is now trying to make a dollar from it. And, and so, therefore, they have gone to the capitalist point of trying to get recreational for sale and all of that. So they have come on board our trade. The difference is, the purpose and the reason behind it their change and our change. We're looking at changing the rules because it's beneficial to our people, the culture, the development. I hear this argument about removal of, of, of poverty and equality. You can only do that in recognition of the rights of all people and all people include the indigenous Rastafari, Maroons, indigenous people of every country. So it's good to know that the world is, for various reasons, looking at cannabis differently or ganja differently, but this is something that we have always been doing.
4: And to be honest, you know, um, ganja has been prohibited in Jamaica with our ganja law from 1930. 14, uh, before. before. Uh, from 24 years before the US, before oh, the US yeah. prohibited it, because it was it was a people's product. It, it made people enlightened, and uh, this was recognized by the colonial uh, rulers of the time to be a tool that did not help them, but it did help the people of Jamaica. And so we've been fighting this struggle for a longer time. And um, to be honest, our government has not always stood in line with the people because Rastafari has been persecuted for many years and misunderstood. But we have righted that wrong now in government. And our government and our civil society and our bipartisanship is showing. Jamaica is a mature democracy. Um, We are a small nation. We recognize that in certain arenas, we don't have the power to stand out. We seek alliances with like-minded countries. But even then, we are leaders. In, and, and our legislation has gone much further than most. We are not um, on on the more extreme ends like Uruguay, which is a closed market, and the United States that have gone full adult use, which are going for the most liberal, um, laissez-faire type of market situation. Jamaica doesn't want that. Jamaica wants a, a, a regulated industry that protects our youth. that that confirms the right upon Rastafari. It's not as far as the Rastafari would go because, for example, um, our deputy solicitor general in the attorney general's office, who is here presenting on behalf of the Jamaican delegation, did mention that, um, you know, as a religious sacrament, the Roman Catholics can sell their rosaries, um, but we, the Rastafarians, who who um, put uh, Ganja very high in their estimation, cannot then uh, sell it to fellow Rastafarians. So it's gone some way for them, and um, the fight is still on. But one thing is for sure, every Jamaican recognizes the benefits, and we are outstanding in the nations, and what we need are you know, similar-minded allies, so our strength can show on the you know, the global front.
1: There are so many hypocrisies in this. Uh, I'm from the United States, uh, western United States, Oregon, where it is legal. And uh, while I have the legal right as just a 21-year-old citizen to go buy cannabis, uh, indigenous people still don't have a religious right to use it, even though indigenous peoples have a religious right to use peyote and ayahuasca. So the religious argument's been really confused in the United States. And you briefly mentioned the capitalism angle, and I wanted to get your take on this, because We've seen, uh, among our community of cannabis users in America, uh, a division between the activism and the commercialism, and some fear that the commercialism is overtaking some of the human rights considerations. More, More specifically, Brendan Kennedy and a group called Privateer Holdings is in with Rita Marley and the Marley family in distributing Marley Naturals, which are grown in Colorado and not helping a single ganja farmer in Jamaica. Give me your thoughts on the capitalism happening in America, and what needs to happen to, you know, help these ganja farmers.
5: Well, we're guarded against that, but part of it, we don't want to stop persons from earning, as, as my colleague said before. So, what we have asked and what we are doing on the ground is to have the ganja growers and an uh, association. It's very. Cooperative have a, have a community-based approach to development of the industry because it, it there is a potential for medicinal industry, there is a potential for a product industry, by-product industry, and we're saying as part of that that angle is to have persons included. We don't want a capitalism that will exclude our traditional farmers who have been the sacrificial lamb for this industry, who have been imprisoned by even the US and deported back and, and have their lives destroyed by even the US. So we're, we're saying if you're going to come, you have to come with some level of partnership and not slavery. We're not doing the sugar slavery <sighs> thing again. Yeah. it's We're not going to cede ganja to a, a, a colonial power who is coming in a different form. And we that's a conversation that is happening, we're willing to partner, but if you're not coming in partnership, we're not willing to work, we're not going to be slave you again.
4: We, we recognize the need for responsible capitalism. Jamaica is not um, ideological, we know it takes money to make the mayor run. Not only that, we have our, our hopes and dreams and every every farmer in Jamaica Wants to elevate their children to a better life. Um, as simple as farming, is, it is. It's a very fulfilling task, and and the people who do it are dedicated. And we 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 seek to protect the small farmers and the grassroots farmers because their ambition is to um, is to be the backbone of our economy and to uh, elevate their families in such a way. For that reason. They need to sell their products. We are not closing up the market, but we don't want rampant capitalism at all costs. And we can look at the U.S. and take heed and take warning. We're not going that way. We're going to do this responsibly. And we all collectively in Jamaica, and especially those who have the influence and the power, to, to make it happen right, we recognize our responsibility to our people. And that starts with our traditions, our culture, and the people who feed us our farmers.
1: Thank you so much for an illuminating discussion on these issues. I got to visit Jamaica for the first time last year, and it was beautiful. I can't wait to go again. Have a great session here at the United Nations,
0: and a good lunch. Thank, Thank you. you. That's just how white folks will do you.